sometimes my mom sends pictures to like our family group me of like other people's kids and other people's weddings and i'm like who is this small child she's like well, looks so cute and i was like we don't know these people this is weird now like you've made this weird <laughs> See, we're, we've gotten so good at this that we can take a month and a half off and just immediately get right back in the swing of things. Well, I'm Malavika. I'm Nick, I think. <laughs> today. Today today I am Nick, and this is uh, Real Life Alphabetically, your third favorite podcast, so we appreciate you. <laughs> we're moving up in your <laughs> personal rankings, you one listener. <laughs> We are coming at you, I was going to say coming at you live because that's just such a great phrase, but it is the opposite of this medium. We are coming at you recorded. <laughs> yes. <laughs> After taking a month and a half hiatus while uh, real life unalphabetically gets in the way. So we'll we'll start this one off. This is episode G. Everybody and their mother now has a podcast. Everybody famous has a podcast. It's true. Every Rob Lowe has a podcast now. Does he really? It sounds pretty good. I bet yeah. it does. I love Rob he Lowe. He interviews people that he knows because he's a famous person. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, Rob Lowe, knows, he knows all the best people. But yeah, I think it sounds interesting. Uh, clearly, now we're plugging a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I got like six. Without any affiliation or even listening to it, I, which is a I, classic. I got like six more to plug. I listened to Office Ladies a little bit today. I listened to Wonderful oh. a little bit today. Yeah. Um, but yes, we, we haven't been together recording for a month and a half. Nope. My schedule and your schedule got a little bit hectic. Got pretty um, buck wild, yeah. Yeah. I came back to the country. I spent some time with my parents. I moved to a new place. It's been it's been good. Yeah. It's been good. My skin is maybe gonna stop breaking out soon because it did not like the travel or the heat that I now currently reside in. So <laughs> great things. Great things are coming my way. But yeah, no, overall, things are okay. I've been orienting for my new job. So it's my last week of orientation. And then I work on nights for the first month. And I start on Sunday. So And you will not, your sanity will not survive. Yeah, I'm really excited to record with you on my 36 hours off. Oh, yeah. We're going to record all <laughs> 36 of them. Um, but yeah, what have you been up to in this month and a half? Fucking working, man. Work, work, yeah. work. I got infuriated today because I looked at my benefits package <laughs> and I called HR today to clarify because I was like, this is kind of absurd. Did they give you shit? And they didn't give me shit, but they seemed very confused why I would have been asked. <laughs> I was a little sad that I don't have any sort of employer match contribution for my 401k. Yeah. So I, I just got a little sad. I was like, oh, but... I thought that I mean I guess it's not standard. I was expecting too much. I'm looking to take a week off or maybe even yeah, maybe even a full week off the week of my birthday just because not even to go anywhere, just because I can. I'm definitely taking the two weeks, you know, Christmas to New Year two weeks, my rock bottom mm -hmm. zone from last year. I, uh, I you gotta do like something opposite though. No. a hundred percent every year now that is that is a 100% tradition. I, it's, I'm going to call it the rock bottom zone. It's not going to be what it was 
the actual rock bottom zone. But now I have made, I have established a tradition for myself of taking that two weeks off. I end up seeing my family, you know, half of the time anyway, because of the holidays and all that shit going on, people being back in town and all that. But it also gives me time to just like de-stress and not worry about projects and that kind of shit. And that, that part was nice. Now updates on the important stuff. Shows that I've watched. Ooh. I don't know. In the month and a half that we have not done this podcast, yeah. I have watched a lot, so I'm going to absolutely forget some things. But I definitely watched um, Hunters on Amazon. About mm. It's historical fiction about Nazi hunters in the 70s. Um, I watched Upload, which is a Greg Daniels show who created yeah. The Office. And the other show that I watched that I know you watched and I want to get your take on, Space Force. What did you think of Space Force? I loved it. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. I thought it was smart. It was very tongue-in-cheek. I don't know. I I feel like a lot of people told me they didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people really wanted The Office with Steve Carell and everything. Yeah. And it's not The Office. No. Um, but, like, it's a good show. So I, I guess I'm a little disappointed because now I feel like they're not going to do a season two. Um, I think they will. I know they got a lot of views on it. Um, okay. I had I I had expectations almost like that it was going to be more like The Office at first. I'll I'll, I'll admit mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. Which I probably shouldn't because he also did Upload and Upload was not like The Office. Um, I haven't seen Upload yet. Yeah. Upload was good. I actually liked Upload a lot. Actually, Upload and Hunters are on my list because we saw a preview because we've been rewatching Thirty Rock. Oh, and... good, nice. They're they're yeah. both very enjoyable watches and neither okay. one turned out the way I expected in very positive ways. I'll say that for both. Okay. Hunters and okay. Upload. Um, yeah. Space Force. I was actually a little bit disappointed by the first episode. Um, I'm somebody, I watch a lot of fucking TV shows, and I have watched a lot of fucking mm-hmm. TV shows my whole life. Yeah, you have. And for me, if your pilot's not good, you probably have a better chance than most of me at least giving the second episode a shot. But I know for most people, if the pilot's not good, they're not even going to make it all the way through the pilot. They're going to just move on with their time. Um, I didn't feel like it clicked in my head as what the show even was or why I should continue with the show until the second episode. I thought the first episode was a little too, a little too bland. Um, some of the no, jokes right. were a little tired. It was. Yeah. It felt like it was written by committee almost of like, yeah, that's kind of funny. Yeah, that's a good idea. Oh, they won't expect this joke. And it was like, there was one about subverting expectations on, uh, gender stereotypes or something and even the joke they used for oh you know gender stereotypes how old and tired just like you like it, it just wasn't a funny joke they could have done they could have put a funnier joke there that kind of thing and um, that's something that in the office I never ever 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 felt even in, even when the office was bad I never felt the feeling of they could have put a funnier joke here mm-hmm. it was usually this is really dumb Oh, but that was a funny joke. <laughs> this was more of like, I really like this plot, but the jokes are kind of missing. And then from the second episode on, it, it caught me a little bit better. Especially some of the side characters in it are so good. really fucking good. Ben Schwartz, I will watch do anything ever. He's the best. Um and the fact that his character's name is Fuck Tony, I mean... <laughs> yeah, just... honestly, I just, I loved it. Like, I, I love that aspect. I I see what you're saying 
I enjoyed the first episode, but I'm also in a period of time where like my time isn't wasn't super limited right. when I was watching it. Um, so I think we might have watched like the first and second episode back to back. So like I didn't have that moment where I was like, do I want to watch another one? I was like, that's fine. Um, but yeah, there was a couple like fuck Tony was great <laughs> as a character. I loved him, um, and I, I just feel like they leaned into like a lot of the ridiculousness of it. Yeah. Um, but in a way that was almost a little truth too truthful, like painfully <laughs> so. I was like, Ugh. um. But I, I really like the subplot with like the Russian guy. Yes. <laughs> who is trying to the date obvious, his daughter? The obvious mole that's trying to get information from his yeah. daughter. Yeah. And yeah, fucking so. John Malkovich. Holy shit, he was so good. I love John yeah. Malkovich as an actor so much, and uh, he was very, very funny and very yeah. real. I and thought. The, yeah, and I, you know, I've worked in places where there there are more scientist type people and then more business type people mm-hmm. and so I feel like I've seen a lot of that conflict so for me I was like yeah <laughs> I get this like I follow uh but yeah so I I hope they make a second season but like I said I a lot of my friends were like I just I didn't think it was funny at all and I was like were we watching the same show <laughs> like I laughed out loud like all the time in that show <laughs> I I appreciated its ridiculousness especially that it it was one of those shows where it didn't take itself seriously yeah, yeah. And uh, that was good. Um, for me, I, I'm sure I've, I've probably watched other shows. I watched the um, Jeffrey Epstein documentary. Holy shit. That was intense. Um, watched a couple other documentaries. I've mostly been playing games, though. I got back Ooh. into getting sucked G into for games. my fucking Xbox. I replayed Mass Effect Andromeda. Ooh. Well... Okay. Here's here's my feelings on Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, for those of you who don't know, which is you one listener, um, the Mass Effect trilogy, the original three, that's it, my favorite game series ever made. Those those three games to me, when you look at them all together, there is not a more perfect trilogy, there is not a more perfect experience mm-hmm. in video gaming than playing those three games. Uh, all your choices, you know, you're the same character throughout all three. There are characters, you know, that are with you through all three games. The choices you make in game one impact the end of game three. You know, it, there's these tangled webs in, in between all three in a way that just no one has ever done before. And, and It's impressive. Like, those, like as someone who doesn't play a lot of video games and often has problems focusing on them or finds them repetitive and boring, I just, I was so into it. <laughs> I was so into the characters. Like, this, they told a good story. And, Truly. Um, I mean, Wes played the game and he seemed to enjoy the gameplay and everything. Mm. And, it was cool. It was just a cool game. It was very... It did good and evil in a good way. Yes. Paragon and Renegade. Yeah. Um, but Mass Effect Andromeda is the fourth one. It was not linked to that same mm-hmm. core story. It set up a new story in the Andromeda galaxy. And when you look at it f- have, after coming from what I see as video game perfection, yeah, it's all. it was always going to disappoint. There were problems behind the scenes before they even published the game. Apparently halfway through, their, their idea for how they wanted the gameplay to be, they totally changed on a dime, so they had to basically redo everything. Um, the multiplayer was not well put together, you know, they're uh, on and on and on. And then even, de- <clears throat> excuse me, even down into the story. But I will say is, now having been removed from those expectations, and I haven't played it since, I think, 2017... So it's been about three years going back to it. It's a solid game. It was an enjoyable game with a good story. 
and there's just a lot of things they could have done better that they had already done better in the other three games but i honestly i liked it it was fun it sucked up 130 hours of my time which is insane (laughs) to say out loud but um but yeah i've I've been certainly on... We've talked about the cycles that we go into of books and shows and movies and all that. I've certainly not been in a movie cycle. I've not watched many, if any, movies. But I've definitely been very much in a game cycle. I... um, Wes and I tried to play Andromeda, but it was, like you're saying, we did it right after the trilogy. And I think we just couldn't let go of the previous characters and gameplay. So we just neither of us were particularly invested and we like stopped fairly early on in the game i mean the one thing i will say is the graphics were beautiful very much so and even like it was even the game like the physics they yeah the technical pieces of it they did amazing yeah but um yeah we just couldn't get that into it And, and we were just talking about this the other day about maybe trying it again now that we've had some distance but then we're like maybe we should just replay mass effect like the trilogy i've done that five times i think and that's many 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 fucking hours yeah it's so good though i recommend it to any person ever very good if you like good stories the story of the mass effect trilogy even if you're not somebody that plays video games if you put it on the easiest level you know where you're just basically making choices shooting bad guys and saving the galaxy Mm It's just a fucking... Worth it. It's a romp, man. It, yeah, it, it is. It, it, it There's tearjerkers. There's romance. There's oh actual God. romance. So maybe we'll replay Mass Effect. Unclear. I've still been in a book phase, mostly. Mm-hmm. I've kind of slowed down on my reading, though. I've been, like, scrolling more. Scrolling <laughs> like, what? Like, social media. Oh, oh, the bad scrolling. Yeah, doing so... The bad scrolls. I'm doing the bad scrolling, um, I have but I've also been like busy, like walking around trying to like feed myself and like get my apartment set up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm listening to an audiobook called American Spy, but I guess I shouldn't talk about it because I'm finished it, so I can give my opinion. But I do want to mention one book, um, "Say My Name" by Chanel Miller. And no, I'm sorry, it's not "Say My Name." That's the Destiny's Child song. Say my name, it's, say my name. Yeah. Oh no, this is it's it's called Know My Name. Yeah, um, and it made me cry. It was just so she um, in the Brock Turner case, she was like the Jane Doe, and so she wrote this book, kind of as a reflection, being like my story should be out there mm-hmm. because she wrote the letter that BuzzFeed released, and a lot of people really it resonated with a lot of people. And I read the letter, and I remember feeling emotional. Sure, but like this book straight up just made me cry, like just sobbing. <laughs> um, and it, I think some of the things she talks about are things that a lot of people or women experience this kind of like general discomfort that you always have, and this like extra awareness that's always with you that you like can't escape from mm-hmm. because it's like no matter what people will still blame you right. <laughs> if something happens and I think that's um like when you read her story like you're right she did go to a party and she did drink mm-hmm. but that doesn't excuse what he did right. and yes he was drunk but does that mean he should walk free right so I feel like it's it's not it's not an easy book, but she has a very um, like evocative writing style. It's very like emotional, and she's it's almost like lyrical, like how she sets a scene. There's these like kind of like atmospheric, dreamy portions. Um, 
but yeah, it was it was really good and I think worth reading for men and women just to understand because it's a hard book, but it it was good to read. So we're going to do something a little different. We recorded this before our hiatus. So we have a special guest. This starts with the letter G uh, on this episode for us. The one, the only, Joe Novak. You know him. You love, well, you, you may not know him. I know him. Malavika knows him. Uh, Joe, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, uh, this is RLA uh, in real life, the podcast, right? Yeah, you don't have to do that part. No? No, we'll handle that part. Let the pros handle that. You introduced the the real pro here. The first first five episodes didn't have any kind of introduction, so I just wasn't sure. Five episodes? No, no, no. The first, like, three episodes didn't have it. Uh, Okay. All right. Well, I'm Joe Novak, and I've known Nick Tyler since uh, I was nine years old in the third grade. He was eight in uh, Mrs. Hart's classroom. And we've been friends for all these years. I followed him to case. What a decision that was. Yep. Um, And we have had good times. We've had some uh, interesting times. We've had some questionable times. But uh, I'm sure we'll get into some of that later. So would Um, you recommend following a best friend to college rather than a girl? Uh, not if the college costs $42,000 a year just for tuition. Uh, probably not. Yeah. It's okay, Joe. I was hoodwinked into going to Case, and then I hoodwinked you into going to Case. And <laughs> the cycle continued. <laughs> yep. I already talked about, what was it in, was it in C, where I, I admitted that I regretted going to Case? Yeah, you did a bit. At some, you did. That was a call. Yeah. yeah. You're like, I don't know if that was the best choice. <laughs> Oh, no, I fully regret it. It was a bad choice. It, well, you I, got something out of it. It wasn't like a total the, wash. The only thing like I friends. got out of it was friends. And yeah. I admit that. I made good friends, and, and that made it worth it. But if mm-hmm. any of you wants to pay the remaining student loans I have, you have until about 2038 to do so. Yeah. And I, I realized after the fact that I was accepted with a full-ride scholarship to the University of Cincinnati, and the company that I work for recruits from both Case and University of Cincinnati. Wait, you so, turned on uh, Cincinnati <laughs> full ride to come to Case? Yeah. So I could have uh, ended up in the same spot that I'm at with, I mean... A lot more money in your pocket. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah. But I guess you got to be closer to your family by being in Cleveland. That is true. Although, I mean, I didn't see them very often. In those I don't think you saw years. them for the full four <laughs> years. Like, except uh-huh. for when you had to move back home, which was very rare because you lived on campus for the summers. I was a nomad. I wandered. I regret Case, but for a different reason. I still think you're coming back after your uh, residency. Oh, God. <laughs> there will be another Cleveland sojourn in the future. Let's, I want to hear from you, Joe. Do you have any G topics that you might want to discuss? We'll, we'll give the guest the right of first refusal. Just to one fun and entertaining and one more serious, I guess. So the first one was uh, Godfather's Three Pizza. Oh, fuck. What is that? I think you said you wanted to go into that story. Yeah, I, f- I forgot about that. What's, what's the serious one? Just so I know what I'm getting into. Uh, genetics. Genetics? Okay. Um, let, Malavika, let me tell you a story. 
Okay. And uh, Joe's going to cut in when he became part of the story because this is this is I'll give the intro to Joe's story because uh, I'd say he's an asshole, but I did bring this up to him as, as something to talk about. In 2010, I was a junior in college at Case Western Reserve University, and yes. I lived with eight of my closest friends at that time. <laughs> you loved it. Uh, it was great. And Malavika had come that. back from, I think he would come back from uh, Ireland by then. End of junior year? Yeah. yeah. But I don't think so, I like made it to before you all moved out. Weren't you at the, were you at the Cinco de Mayo festival? No, I came home like a few days after that. Got it. Okay. So this is the story of a holiday that Joe and I celebrate called Seis de Mayo. Um, we had a big party because it was during or right at the end of finals uh, when Cinco de Mayo fell and it fell on a Wednesday and we, most people were already done. Only like one or two people had even one more final left. So we had a huge party. And when I say her huge party, I mean like something you would see in a stupid, terrible college movie party packed yeah. too many people like problems. People we had never met before, people we had never seen before. We probably packed. It was a large two two floor, uh, nine bedroom suite thing, but we probably had upwards of a hundred plus people packed into that thing. And I kind of, you know, it, if you've listened to this podcast up to this part, you you know my bartending abilities started at a young age, and you know that my sociability has has kind of been a constant fixture so i was like something like the party director for a, a certain part of the party making sure people had drinks making sure people were having fun making sure people didn't die you know getting home that kind honestly of thing. yeah <laughs> yeah i didn't sleep that night uh the party literally there were people leaving at seven in the morning i mean like that's when the last people got out made sure everyone was okay um, so yeah, so I was very intoxicated over a long period of time and finally got everyone out sleeping in rooms, gone, you know, whatever by 7am. I laid down on my bed, threw up on my legs <laughs> and, and f passed out for approximately, by the time I got in my bed, it's probably seven twenty. So for approximately 40 minutes, um, laid with some throw up on my legs. Not a great story for me, by the way. This this doesn't start or end well. 40 minutes later, my phone starts ringing uh, just back to back to back. And it's my mother. And she's in the parking lot because it's move out day. And I had to, in three minutes, clean up my legs, uh, <laughs> put on some clothes. Oh, no. And go let my mother in. And, and Joe, I believe you were a little bit behind, like 30 minutes to an hour behind her. But Joe was also helping me to move out as well. And this is the last part I'll tell because then, then this is where Joe picks up as helping me to move my stuff out. Um, in the time between getting to my door and going to let my mother in, I saw my girlfriend at the time, who was one of the nine people in the suite. And um, I just, I saw this look in her eye that just told me, oh, so she's going to break up with me. This is like, it was just one of those things where you see it and you just instantly know that this is a true fact that has now been bestowed upon you. Uh, and I didn't have time to address that in any way. So I went and let my mother in and then Joe came. And then Joe, if you would continue from there, please. 
Well, yeah. So your mom had been there for some time before I got there, and she was uh, a little upset, I think, that you weren't more ready to move out than <laughs> she expected you to be. Yep. So <clears throat> when I got there, uh, there was quite a bit of yelling, um, yep. colorful yelling. <laughs> but we uh, we got it done, and we packed everything up, TVs, clothes, whatever, got it all into her vehicle, my vehicle, and we took off. So I think, I mean, I think our plans had been <clears throat> that uh, essentially we were going to hang out later that day, mm-hmm. and so we just needed to get you back home, um, which was like a 25-minute drive from the university there, yep. and so we chatted said, I'm really hungover. I think I'm probably still drunk. I said, oh, okay. Well, let's go get some food. So we we got to your uh, your mother's house, and we unloaded things, which appeased her to some degree. Right. Um, I like that you use the word appeased, because she is very much a dictator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a benevolent one at times. So we decided that we would probably get some pizza. Um, I guess that goes good with alcohol. So we decided to go to a, a little place called Godfather's 3. That was just a local pizza place there in Willoughby Hills. And so for all the the listeners that are you know on this podcast with an intimate knowledge of geography of Willoughby Hills. All uh, one, and it's me. Yes. <laughs> You got to go, if you're going to go from the Tyler estate or the Gersten (laughs) estate um, down there at Mayfriars Drive, if you're going to go to Godfather's 3, you got to pass by Willoughby City Hall and the fire department. Willoughby Hills City Hall. Willoughby Hills City Hall with the the police station, the fire department and all that right there. So Nick is still probably drunk, definitely hungover. And we are driving past the city hall, and unfortunately, the speed limit goes from 35 down to, what, 20? 25? It was 20. 20. Oh, instantly. Just a a sign change. Yeah. And now I'm experienced with the speed trap life. And then it picks back up to 35 on the other side of uh, city hall, basically, about Mm -hmm. 100 yards down the road. So I was going a comfortable five over the speed limit, <laughs> which uh, translated into suddenly being 20 over the speed limit. And so we got pulled over real quick. And fortunately, I was driving. So, I mean, what are they going to breathalyze the passenger for anyway? But uh, <laughs> I did sit up when we got pulled over. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, no. He was a nice, a very nice police officer. He came up to us, took all my information, driver's license, registration, ran it. <clears throat> took a while, though. We were wondering what was going on. Although so I never a spotless record. He had no, yeah. nothing ever. I had never been pulled over, so uh, I really had no idea how long it was supposed to take. But eventually he comes back and he says, you know, you have never had a speeding ticket. I feel bad for you. But I'd like to let you go, but my, my supervisor is actually in the vehicle with me, and I'm just not going to be able to not going to be able to let you go going 20 over. So, so here's a 15 over ticket. Yeah. No, uh, that's just so brutal. But uh, then we got some pizza, and uh, honestly, I can't tell you what happened after that. 
but I'll I'll summarize the rest of it. Um, I was right. Two days later, when I saw my girlfriend, my then girlfriend, uh, she broke up with me at the at my mother's house, and then I went upstairs and played cribbage with my stepdad and his friend. That's it. Obviously, a little, little bit more detail than that in, in the full version. But uh, Seis de Mayo is the day that I got drunk from Cinco de Mayo, didn't sleep at all, threw up on oh, my God. legs, had my mother yell at me for like two and a half hours. Thankfully, I had Joe there. I would have probably killed her or, I don't know, run away. <laughs> I was drunk. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, and then saw that my girlfriend was going to uh, break up with me, which honestly was fine and was two years overdue. And then Joe got a hefty speeding ticket that he then had to go talk to the prosecutor and they adjusted it and the points went away and the amount went down slightly and that kind of thing. Well, it was, I mean, <clears throat> it was funny because essentially I got no points after getting it reduced, the sentence reduced. But Oh, that's nice. That's what I, I had to do to... when I got my speed ticket. It's always the smart thing to do. Um, yeah. But ultimately, I still had to pay like almost $400 because it was all court costs. It went from yeah, the same thing to court costs. Yeah. They trapped me. Yeah. So every year, it basically, it's it's a bad story for me because it's it's like the, it's the kind like of thing where yeah. everything went wrong. Just it's everything. It's degeneracy. Yeah. <laughs> but not and really. No, ultimately, it was fine. Yeah. Like I said, the relationship was long overdue. Should have been done. We should have been done in high school. Was she just like disappointed at how you were? Like, I'm just curious, like, why that day? I, I mean, I think there's context for you asking me questions about uh, romantic entanglements. She was not someone that drank. She was not someone that was extremely social or that enjoyed uh, a lot of social situations. And I think that was finally the last straw of you are not the person I want you to be. Um, you are much more of a stereotypical college person having fun with your friends and drinking and all that. And it later became apparent it was kind of a ploy to get me to, um, in, in her mind, change my act and become more ambitious. Uh, her word, not mine. That did not occur <laughs> to probably to both of our benefits. But, uh, yeah, it, we, we were not compatible adults. We had been compatible when we were younger and when we were in high school, but we were not compatible adults. Honestly, we'd, we'd be much more compatible now than we were. Yeah, although, to be fair to you in this circumstance, as a college group, we did many things that did not involve drinking. Oh, yeah, no. We I'm were not, not like by a big means. drinking group. Like, people no. ask me about college, I'm like, I was a crazy one, and I drank, like, maybe twice a month, yeah. <laughs> and barely. We, like, we, we didn't did drink not. all that much at all. We didn't have that yeah. many parties. That's why it was so weird that we had such a big party. Yeah. We had maybe... We had my birthday party. And then we had say, that we other had Halloween party. Yes. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And that was... This one, I mean, was a rager. It was truly the only time I can use that word legally. But it all worked out. I embarrassed myself terribly. I had good people. My mother and my best friend helped me out out of a, you know, moving. It established a, a great history of Joe and I having really shitty moving days. Just the <laughs> fucking worst yeah. moving days possible. One of which I have yet again, as I'm editing the deep dive, have listened to again. But it, it's just, it became the part, or it became the fact of Joe and I realized that no one should ever help the two of us move anywhere 
because if they well, did, yeah. it was gonna be a fucking shit show. I mean, in the history of this podcast, I I actually you know moved in. Malavika and Nick lived together for what one year, two years, one year, one year, one year. yeah. And when Malavika moved out, I moved in. So I'm still finding feathers and glitter in my stuff, but that is okay. It's been like a decade. How? Oh, I find your hair in my stuff still. That's not is true. Is that not normal? You guys are just exaggerating. No, You're legitimately, Joe and I did find a feather, not like within the last three years. <laughs> I had a propensity for glitter and feathers during this time period when your we lived together. Your birthday was called Keshemus. Yeah, it was a great time. We had a great, that was another great party. That was a great party. We had a, yeah. that was at our place. We had a very good time. Isn't that what the picture is on the, uh, no, that's Halloween. That was oh, Halloween. Because yeah. yeah. she has feathers on there too. That, uh, she was a bird on Halloween. I was a bird. I was Han Solo and yeah. Joe hit me in the face with a wee gun from Cabela's Dangerous Hunts that Malavik <laughs> had. So that was, that's the holiday of Seis de Mayo. Basically, it, it's the representation of Cinco de Mayo, Seis de Mayo, and Ocho de Mayo for me. And mm-hmm. mostly Joe helping me out and, and getting a big speeding ticket for it. Now, it did, it did go off like a number, I think it was a couple, two weeks or something like that. It, you know, the things evolved. But. Yeah. Now, how do you feel about tequila? Oh, tequila. Um, I have a very strange history with tequila. I also drank with uh, Kevin, who was a earlier guest on this podcast, and our friend Jen's mom. Uh, two days before Jen and Matt's wedding, we drank three bottles of tequila. Yeah. Oh, if I think about that, sounds horrific. That was a great night. I loved that <laughs> night. I've never been that hungover. I mean, the in my good life. people, but like, that amount it's just not even worth it <laughs> i've never been that hungover in my life and that next morning we went into universal studios i already hate rides i am not a rides person by any matter Neither am i no and i because it was for their wedding i agreed to go on the rides and joe you can attest i've never complained more in my life and felt not bad about it at all than when we were in universal and i was hungover I mean, you pocket dialed 911 in the middle of the month. <laughs> I did, pocket and it was Harry Potter, the not the mummy. Oh, because the Harry Voldemort Potter ride was, was a good one. <laughs> Voldemort was screaming. Everybody's screaming. There's a, there's a giant no, dragon screaming. That was screaming. a bad 911 call. And 911 probably thought I was already dead, so they didn't respond. <laughs> That's kind of great. I've got some weird tequila stories. So, Joe, anyways, you... Uh, it had a more serious topic of genetics. Now, oh, this one yeah. fascinating. Yeah, well, so in keeping with your theme from previous podcasts of science fiction novels, uh, one of the ones that I enjoyed reading, loved as a child, was Jurassic Park. Mm. Oh, Michael so, Crichton, classic. He's written so, some stuff. Oh, so Jurassic Park. Um, I, I loved the introduction, and I think it's just become very interesting to me the picture that Michael Crichton paints of what he thinks is the future of genetics and bioengineering. Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually, I did a little homework here and I have it. I'm only going to read one paragraph of it. Please. But essentially what he says is biotechnology promises the greatest revolution in human history. By the end of this decade, the book was written in 1990, it will have outdistanced atomic power and computers in its effect on our everyday lives. 
In the words of one observer, biotechnology is going to transform every aspect of human life, our medical care, our food, our health, our entertainment, our very bodies. Nothing will ever be the same again. It's literally going to change the face of the planet. And the, the introduction goes on and expounds upon that and gives some, some more data-driven examples and some specifics about how he thinks this is going to take place. But what I found just really interesting about this is just looking back in retrospect on this and wondering what he would even think 30 years later in 2020 with our current state where now it's a it's a badge of honor when you go to the whole foods and you've got the non-gmo label on your uh on your chips you know that that's kind of where we've come to that there's this counterculture that even on something small like genetically modified food doesn't want to have anything to do with it and that's not even touching you know crispr or any of the more you know, controversial applications sure. of bioengineering. Yeah. So I just kind of found it interesting that that's kind of where we've ended up 30 years later. We've looped so hard. We, we mastered genetics so well that we literally have come around the other side of, uh, don't, don't feed me that, that corn that's fucked up. Don't give me that bullshit corn. If you changed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't know if this podcast is the right place to talk about my GMO views. <laughs> No, it totally is. Tell me your GMO views. I think GMOs are great. <laughs> Honestly, I think we could save the fucking planet with GMOs. I'm not like against. I I used to be more against GMO, and now mm -hmm. I'm not. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense. Let here's here's the reason why I am for GMOs. Every to even take out direct gene manipulation of any crops or anything like that. Genetically modifying organisms is what we've done over the past, you know, since Gregor Mendel came up with the stupid allele diagram for pea plants. We've been genetically modifying these organisms. You breed this one with this one to get better fruits. You breed this one to, for this one to get better flowers. You breed, the, you know, that kind of thing. We're just able to do it faster now. We're able to do it more directly. It doesn't change the fact that we've been through the process of, you know, breeding or crossbreeding or that kind of thing. Yeah. It took hundreds of years for certain things. We wanted corn that was, that stayed fresh longer. We wanted tomatoes that grew more plump, that kind of thing. Now we can just do it with science instead of waiting, you know, 30 years. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. So I think there was a time period where I was like, oh, GMO, like I want things to be natural. But then I thought about it and I was like, wait a minute. And I did I did some like reading about, you know, general. I was very into like food history for a period of time. So I read some books on it. But yeah, we've been doing this since we were freaking like an agricultural society. Like the yeah. fact that we became agricultural is one of the reasons we're able to live in towns and stop our nomadic lifestyle and like build, you know, what society has become. But more than that, like my actual problem with GMO is what scientists now select for. Sure. Depending. So for example, let's take a red delicious apple. Red delicious apples look amazing. They're beautifully red and shiny and Yet, you know, surprisingly not delicious. <laughs> yeah. They're blemish free. They're giant. Um, but their taste is horrible because what they're breeding for is size and color. Right. 
So like, that's my problem, which like sometimes when I want non-GMO foods or I'm buying organic, it's because the organic farmers sometimes in many cases tend to not like they, they just are selecting for like good taste or small size or, you know, more things like that, that, that you can't do if you're mass producing, you know, to sell to a grocery store, which will only put your product out if it looks good. Oh, for sure. I, yeah. I completely agree with you. Give me the, so, the gross mangled, like weird shaped yeah, vegetables yeah. every time. Yeah, exactly. So I just feel that that's like my real issue with GMO. It's not, it's not the technology far. We, we've been doing it forever. Like apple trees, grain, almond trees, <laughs> anything. Um, there were fruits and vegetables that would have never existed if yeah. humans hadn't gotten involved and yeah. you know, crossed species. I want to say it was like apricots or peaches very like long ago, like many, many years ago, thousands of years ago, they started to pick trees um, to breed that didn't taste bitter. Actually, I think it was just almonds uh, that didn't taste bitter. And that's like the reason that we have like sweet tasting almonds. You can see I did a lot of research on this. Um, but yeah. That's and if why you they just don't go... taste like cyanide every time you bite an almond. Yeah, exactly. That's why it doesn't taste bitter because we breed for it. And there was only like one in every hundred trees that people had to try and then it became one in every 10. So yeah, I don't think on it by itself is a bad thing. It's just how you're using it. What do you now, think, what about, Joe? What about you, Joe? Well, I mean, in general, just if we're talking GMOs. Yeah. Let's like go deep into this example. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally in favor of genetically modified whether I, I guess I can see your example with the red delicious, it depends on what traits are they actually selecting for. Sure. Um, is it going to be juicy? Is it going to, if it's an apple, is it going to be juicy or is it just going to look real nice? Mm -hmm. But I, I think that it, we can get smarter, hopefully, with the way that we even farm as we, you know, choose certain traits and as we're able to, you know, maybe we're, we're selecting for its ability to grow in, in different climates so that we can open up you know, opportunities for, for places to grow um, new crops that have are not really being profitable anymore or, you know, they're not as much of an industry as they used to be. And then so you could potentially have new opportunities for farmers. You could potentially have less less waste. Like, I mean, Malavika's example, I think, is awesome you know, numbers all considered, if it's going from, oh, it takes 100 trees to get the, the product we want down to 10 trees, well, then you're being less wasteful. Mm -hmm. um, By a whole I level think, of magnitude, yeah. Right. I just, I think that the there are plenty of, of benefits. And to say that genetically modified in and of itself is, is what's going to cause disease in humans, you know, I, I'd have to see a lot of... Uh, information a lot of research on on that yeah i mean Agreed. is the broccoli gonna kill me that's the question right <laughs> if a thousand people eat broccoli if one of them dies it's probably because they had not eaten broccoli for 70 years yeah <laughs> cholesterol was 1200 <laughs> thank you joe you can yeah. find joe on uh the social medias as uh, actually no. no you can't no you no, can't no. 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 it's like are you on social media <laughs> He exists as a ghost. I was like, I think I've seen you on Facebook he, once. He created accounts 
uh, he's on his, I think, third Facebook account. Yep. And, and I believe you have a Snapchat. I believe you probably, you ha- yeah, you do have an Instagram that you don't use. And probably not a Twitter. That would be my guess is that you don't have a Twitter. I'm on my second Twitter account. Second Twitter account. Classic. See, I'm behind the times. Oh my god! Because the first Twitter account kept getting deactivated because they believed that I was like some kind of sleeper agent or something. <laughs> but well, I I did report you every time, so yeah, that yeah. explains that. They kept deactivating it, and I was like appealing. I didn't even use it. That was the issue. Is I right. just never used it. So yeah, they thought you were a bot. That's we're after you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't find Joe anywhere, but. Still, thank you for being on, Joe. It was a pleasure talking to you. Well, thank you very much for the honor and the privilege of... Thank you for joining us. Yep. Don't worry, that'll get cut down to like 20 minutes. Oh, good. All right. What... Give me me a topic that starts with G, Malavika, because we're like 97 minutes in... No, not that far. But (laughs) we're pretty far in, and... uh, We're pretty far in. It's been been an update podcast, and unfortunately, update starts with you. So give me something that starts with G. Gin. Gin. All right, tell me about gin. Yes, I like gin. I've been really into gin of late. Like, I really do enjoy gin and tonic, Mm -hmm. and I thought until like six or seven months ago that it was a healthier drink and then i realized that tonic water is filled with sugar i was like why is this so tasty like oh my god because i I thought it was soda water which doesn't make any sense because i drink soda water plain tonic water isn't filled with sugar but it has a little bit of sugar it's It's not like you're drinking rum and coke (laughs) it's got quite a bit of sugar on it and then i tried a gin and soda which is not very tasty. It tastes like pine healthy. ass. <laughs> I'm not going to say you're right, but you might be right. I'm a little bit right. If you hit it hard with the lime, it's consumable. It can be okay. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I went through a phase. I had a night out in college in senior year where we were drinking, uh, what are they called? Blue motherfuckers. But we were drinking those. We were in like, what's that like horse place downtown in Cleveland? <laughs> Uh, the one with the bowl. Yeah. It was like that place in like the Irish pub. Something. I think we'd gone out on like a Thursday night, like Kevin, me, and someone else. Like two or three more people. I don't know why. I think I had a lot of work and I didn't do any of it. And I was very hungover and all I could taste was the gin. So I didn't drink gin for a long time after that. Mm-hmm. Not a long time, maybe a year. And then the following year... Um, a friend made me a cocktail with rosemary simple syrup, lemon, and gin. And I was like, I don't do gin. And they were like, you should just try it. Like, it's called the Ophelia. Oh. Oh, Ophelia. And, uh, I love that song. <laughs> I don't know why that drink would be called the Ophelia, but I, I really liked it. And I think the rosemary, like, really played into the gin, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, rosemary and gin and citrus is a very, very tasty combo. Yeah. And then I tried to order that drink at several other places, but I don't know if she made it up or found it. It certainly <laughs> is not called an Ophelia nationwide. It's not called an Ophelia. <laughs> and since then, I feel like I constantly am seeking that drink. And I'm sure I could just try and make rosemary simple syrup and figure out the ratios, but somehow <laughs> it's just too much for me. That's a lot of work. 
I've made some flavored simple syrups a couple of times. I don't even like making regular simple syrup, let alone... Neither do I. I use agave or just plain sugar. Exactly. Agave is the winner for me. But I've made mint simple syrup a couple of times when I was in a real mojito phase. Um, Mm -hmm. And it just... It's not worth it. It's never worth it. That's my story about gin. (laughs) It tastes like drinking trees. And I always feel like a woman of the forest when I drink something that's like really gin for it i'm like i'm a woman of the forest and i was like no you're not malavico <laughs> i feel like i forgot to close my mouth and i ran through a pine tree <laughs> it's not an enjoyable uh, gin feeling have you ever seen someone do a shot of gin i've never seen a gin shot i done. saw somebody do a shot of gin once when they were fucked up drunk Ooh. and it made them throw up I've seen people do shots of 151, and I've never seen anyone do shots of gin. Don't kids, parents, adults, grandparents? <laughs> no, don't, don't try. Don't do shots of gin, please. Um, it's it'd be hard. Yeah, it would be hard. It was hard to watch. <laughs> I would never. I I would do a lot of shots of a lot of things, and gin is not one of them. So I'll give you a choice, Malavika, on the two okay. topics, because I only have two. Um, and you you get to pick the order, I suppose. Uh, we could talk about Garden State, which is my favorite movie that starts with G, and a formative movie of my teen years. Or we can talk about The Grand Goodbye. Mm. I feel like I want to talk about Garden State first. Okay. So, let me set the stage for you. Um, were you a Scrubs fan back when it was on TV? I was a Scrubs fan, and I think maybe the last two seasons I was watching it like okay. live so so that was seasons eight and nine which would have been yeah, which around were in, we were in college yeah um, so we were not we were not uh they were not the best seasons but no eight was solid ish nine was not the same show that's not even that's not that's a episode yeah. s discussion uh but i do listen to the scrubs podcast and it is probably my favorite podcast um, that I listen to right now and they also do it twice a week and their episodes are like almost two hours and I'm, I'm just all about it how? It, they're how amazing they because so much? they do like they, it's an episode recap um, podcast so they have a whole episode to talk about they're best friends so they have a ton to just talk about in general and they usually have like a, somebody come on like the guy who played Cox or that played Elliot uh, or I love whoever him. and they'll have a fan come on and ask them questions so they've got like built-in oh. content that takes them like an hour forty-five, whereas we just blather and then there you go. Um, anyways, back to Garden State. So I I started watching Scrubs from the beginning. Uh, it started mm-hmm. in two thousand one, and um, I loved it. I thought it was a great show. It wasn't like anything else, you know. Even then, I had been watching a shitload of TV, especially comedies, and that mm-hmm. that to me as like a ten or eleven year old was like. This is hilarious. Like, it was silly, but it was serious. It, the medical stuff was, you know, realistic. And it would go from, like, a Star Wars fantasy to, like, break your heart from a patient dying in a two-minute yeah. span. So I, I already knew who Zach Braff was just from that. And then I in, oh, I think he came out in 03, maybe it was 04. Um, he wrote and directed and starred in Garden State. And I saw that movie, and I was struck by two things. Um, One, it was one of the first movies I can think of where watching it had like a profound impact of like, I, I relate to this movie. Like this movie speaks to who I am as a teenager, as a young adult, as Mm -hmm. a, you know, 
smart but um, unmotivated person, as someone that feels like their their life is kind of blowing past them, even at age you know fourteen. Um, and the other thing is that it had some of the best music I'd ever heard. And I said in episode A, I think, or A, was it A? I think it was A, that one of the best albums, yeah, A, yeah. Uh, one of the best albums is the Garden State soundtrack, which it, it just truly is. I still go back and listen to the Garden State soundtrack. It's basi- basically a collection, or as he calls it, as Zach Braff calls it, he won a Grammy for a mixtape. But it's a really fucking yeah. good mixtape. I don't know how you do that. Uh, like <laughs> it, it's just it was so perfect. It's such an amazing collection. And he was also involved in picking the music in Scrubs and some of the music that was picked in Scrubs and used in Scrubs. That that is a very well done. It it's yeah. what made some of the emotional moments as poignant and you know yeah. that kind of thing. So um, I'll just say for the the musical piece of it, it introduced me to a lot of musical acts and songs and things that I never would have otherwise known. And it kind of helped shape early my alt-rock, indie rock tastes. Because if you were going to put together a mixtape of, like, the things that I like, you would not go wrong by just playing the Garden State soundtrack, like the Shins Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, It had things on it that I didn't discover until later that I really liked, like Nick Drake was a uh, 70s mm-hmm. singer that that died pretty young and had had a song that was on there and I didn't I never looked into him never found out until only just recently realized that he had put out some amazing music that kind of thing but to garden state itself um it was one of those first experiences for me of why I love movies so much of finding something that you relate to and finding something that you can picture yourself in a certain character's role and either use it as escapism, use it as a fantasy of maybe my life will turn out like this, or even use it as a thinking, you know, a thought experiment of, you know, what would I do in these situations? If this happened to me, what would I do? Would I break out of the patterns, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, do you have, well, first of all, have you seen Garden State? Are you a fan? No, I haven't seen it. Highly re- I guess I could put it on my list. I've been making a list of movies. Highly recommend it, if only for okay. it. It may not have held up as well as some other movies of the type, um, of the young adult angst type, but um, it it was. I I watched it pretty recently. I watched it about a year ago, and I have immense nostalgia for it, which I know colors over, you know, how I think of it. But at the same time, there are some parts of it that are just always laugh out loud funny, or are just always you know, feel so real and, and so right. And the music hits mm-hmm. home and it's just a beautiful experience. Uh, do you have movies or can you think of movies that you've seen where you really link in on, I, I understand this feeling. I feel this way, or I relate to this. Um, so I have this weird thing with movies that I'm now realizing as I, I've been listening to you talk more about movies and your experience with it. And I have less of that. Uh, A lot of times I feel like I find movies to be like portending signs of doom. Is that that the right (laughs) way? Very ominous clouds on the horizon, eh? (laughs) Yeah. So I think like I've seen movies about relationships that fail in a specific way and it makes me anxious that like I will fail in that way or and and so like um 
and, and like I've seen, you know, very good movies that, you know, tell a story and the characters go through a lot. But I can't think of a movie just off the top of my head that really changed, like where I was like, this is so relatable. This is, this movie understands me. It's I'm rare. Not sure I, yeah. It's very so rare. I, and, and maybe I'll, I'll just have to like think more about it because mm. I'm sure it exists. It's not that I'm a unique flower. <laughs> but I think most of the movies that really stand out to me are movies that tell stories that I think are an important reflection on society. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, yeah, there are moments in there where I'm like, yeah, I've experienced that you know, form of harassment or yeah, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, a lot of the movies that like, I just feel like I'm haunted by movies and not even like good movies. Sure. Uh, but like... There is a movie, oh, what was the name? It was like, Love You Like Crazy. And it had the Russian kid from the Star Trek reboot. Oh, Anton Yelchin. Yeah. And it had um, Jennifer Lawrence. It had like a weirdly, like a really good cast. Mm. And like the writing was good. And it was about this couple that um, she was from England and she was is studying abroad and they met and they found love, but you know, she couldn't stay in the country and then she over, you know, something like blah, blah, blah. But it just like hurt me. <laughs> it just hurt me, their stupidity and their youngness and all that stuff. And I was like, and they hurt so many people by not being together mm-hmm. because they couldn't get over each other because they should have just, one of them should have sucked it up and stayed and <laughs> like figured it out, you know, right. like, yeah. So sometimes you got to make know. it work, but that brings, that brings up a good question. Are there movie tropes or or common themes in movies that hit you harder than others or that you're absolutely weak to? Like romances that don't work out or when they do the thing of Mm. a romance that should work out but they're too proud or too, you know, whatever. Uh, You know, I I honestly really enjoy mostly like action movies and comedies. Really? (laughs) Like really when I watch movies, that's most of the time what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes I'll go into this where I'm like, oh, I should see like what was nominated for the fancy awards and like there. And, you know, like I've seen a lot of the classics. Sure. Like, um, but yeah, I, I love a heist movie. <laughs> I feel like I can't resist them. They steal um, your heart. <laughs> that was bad. That was, bad. It was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, that's the heist movie is probably my favorite trope. I think, um, Ocean's Eleven was my favorite movie for a long time. I've seen that movie it's good a million times. I know. It's a great movie. I have. It's a great. It's like good acting. It's smart. It's funny. It's like makes you think, and also makes you like root for characters that you in real life wouldn't root for. And I think mm-hmm. that's what good fiction does. It makes you like root for people. Um, at least in that context. Sure. So yeah, I don't know. I love that movie. I love movies like that. Um, I will say for me, I am a hundred percent weak to um, fathers sacrificing themselves for their sons. No, I don't. I can't watch this. It hurts me. And no matter what context it's in, <laughs> like in weak. fucking Tron Legacy. Oh god! <laughs> I at the end of that movie, I end up crying because something about it. And I know there's probably unresolved feelings, you know, towards my own father and my childhood and, <laughs> and all know. that. You know, that's we're not talking about that right now. But there are like, I'll see this. I, I've talked about um, 
Call Me By Your Name, the father in that. Uh, he's just yeah, so he's kind and he's so insightful yeah. and he's so emotional. He shares his emotions openly with his son and he's, you know, he sees the truth of what's going on and, and shares such wisdoms and things. And I see that and I just, I just fucking melt. Like, I'm just like, yes, this is what a father is. But, um, I, even in stupid, like Star Wars is, is the best yeah. example I have of it. Fucking Darth Vader and Return of the Jedi. <laughs> and like, I get misty eyed at the end when he, you know, no, I've got to save you father. You already have, son. You already have. Oh. Fuck him. I'm, I'm dead. I'm done. You, you got me, okay? It's 1982. You got me. But um, there are there are definitely things that get me. Or another big one was um, when characters that absolutely should end up together don't end up together and end up with other people. Um, because that fuel that it goes to the me. hopeless romantic in me, which is something I'll, yeah. I'll talk about in a bit as a part of the other topic. Um Another movie, in fact, I actually wrote down as as something I want to talk about for that. But um, not all characters are supposed to end up together, just like not all people are supposed to end up together. However, um, sometimes films and stories do it just to subvert your expectations. Like they dangle in front of you that this is this is what you're about to get, and you're about to get that emotional payoff of yes, they're going to live happily ever after. And then they pull the curtain, and it's like. Who the fuck is that guy? That's that's not the yeah. main character. And La La Land was the one that fucking did that the best. And oh really? Oh my lord! Have you not seen La La Land? You gotta it fucking too watch. Much music you gotta in the fucking beginning. watch La La Land. I was like, Land. I don't want to watch a musical. It's, you gotta fucking watch La La Land. Put that at the top of the list. Uh, I would, but my keyboard won't let me type anything. Don't type so. anything. You fucked up Skype last time. You should. Okay. Garden State broke um, your computer. No, um, La La Land. It's. I've never seen a sequence done as well as the epilogue or the I guess the finale piece of La La Land, and mm. uh, it is. It's very emotional. It's an amazing movie. I thought, and I mean Ryan Gosling and. Um, I mean, I liked all the Stone. actors and actresses in it. I yeah, I just haven't watched it. <laughs> Powerful stuff. Do you have another um, G topic for us? From your list? I do, but... You got a shorty? Uh, my next topic is gold. Gold? In what regard? So, the Indian culture has this, like, fascination with gold. Wearing, <laughs> or the color, or all? All of it. All of it, okay. All of it. Yeah, we we love our shiny, shiny jewelry things. But yeah, I think it's, like, a very interesting cultural thing. So, you, you know, things are worth their weight in gold. Right. Like my parents you're supposed to buy people gold for every occasion really? you know when i was younger my parents would be like we bought you gold for your birthday and i'd be like i wanted like <laughs> i wanted a new sweater <laughs> like i didn't want this like freaking gold that sits somewhere else like locked away mm-hmm. <laughs> um but it, it's just interesting because i think what i realized like maybe going to india is the aesthetic doesn't appeal to me at all so it's just like huge, you know, beautifully ethnic designs or like modern classic designs, but they're just so chunky because it's designed to show up this gold. <laughs> the fact that you have it. Right. It's a it's a showpiece. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a showpiece and they're never comfortable. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst. Um but yeah, I, I just think it's an interesting thing. It's like a kind of a aesthetic that we don't really have in the US. Mm-hmm. 
um, at least anymore. Uh, I don't even know if back then, but yeah, but in India, it's like definitely a thing, and they talk about like lakhs and pounds, and <laughs> there's certain like traditional styles that you're supposed to wear on your wedding day, and it's it's truly insane. I'll send you some pictures later. Please. My mom's like, like occasionally my mom will send me. She's like, do you think I should buy this for your wedding? And I'm like, no, I'm not gonna wear this shit. Like, I and like Yikes. I I don't want to say it's because I'm like you know super American. I just it's not my aesthetic. I don't enjoy it. If it's not your aesthetic, it's not your aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really a gold guy myself. Yeah. I would I, if I had to pick, I'd pick silver. Just I like the look of it a little better, but. What do I know? I think jewelry, silver. I mean, I like gold as a color. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I've, I spoke in episode D about yes, you did. the grand gesture. I'm ready for this callback. Callback. Um, I retooled the grand gesture as the grand goodbye, and I sent it uh, over a month ago now. And not to go into details of what it was or any of that, but um, I talked to the person after they got it and they went through it and um, they they liked it. They were happy with it. It was a it was something that was very well received. Um, I call it the grand goodbye because that it, it truly to me it marks me trying to move on from that person, um, which I you know time has has helped. A, considerable amount of that i've also i wanted to bring up another movie and ask if you'd seen it and i i'm guessing you probably haven't now uh, sometimes 500 days of summer i have seen that one. Oh, thank you thank you i'm very glad <laughs> to hear that because um 500 days of summer is how do i want to say that I'm, I'm gonna read the the plot summary for it the very brief uh, Tom, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, is a greeting card writer and hopeless romantic and is caught completely off guard when his girlfriend, Summer, Zoe Deschanel, suddenly dumps him. He reflects on their 500 days together to try to figure out where their love affair went sour, and in doing so, Tom rediscovers his true passions in life. Well, I am a little bit in my own life too much like Tom is in that movie, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in that movie. He is such a hopeless romantic that he only sees the positive in things that have happened. So as he's looking back over their relationship, he sees everything as, oh my God, everything was amazing up until the moment that she broke up with him. And then even as he's, even as he's living it, even as he's in the relationship, she's very honest with him. She's, she tells him, you know, she's Mm -hmm. not looking for a long-term relationship. She tells him she's not looking to get, you know, all that stuff. And he takes that as a challenge as, Oh, you're going to fall in love with me. And then you'll want those things. And then, you know, and to spoil the movie a little bit after they break up, uh, later on, he gets really depressed about it and wallows and all that shit. And then he sees her and she's got an engagement ring on. And then at the, towards the end of the movie, she's married. And basically she says, I, I felt sure with him. And when I was with you, I, I didn't feel it. And that's, you know, basically it's one of those things where Joseph Gordon-Levitt even says, uh, when you watch that movie, if you're rooting for Tom, you're not watching the movie, right? <laughs> because it's about being honest with yourself and seeing the good and the bad, the positive and the negative. And that's something I've tried to do a lot more um, where, where, all of the you know relationships and all of the people that I've had in my life are concerned, and uh, specifically with this one, I've there was there was a lot of positive that I was 
trying to force and there was a lot of negative that I was ignoring or taking as a challenge, much like that movie. Uh, so that's that's probably my new way of explaining uh, how how that kind of ill-fated non-relationship went. Um, but yeah, it it's it's over and done with. It has been for a while. Um, I just had to catch up to it. Yeah, I still... It's not going to shock you to learn that I hated 500 Days. No, <laughs> it's not going to shock me at all. No, I hated I, it. I, from what I you like, said earlier, I point? knew that I was doomed <laughs> if you had seen it, that it was you were going to hate it. It was another warning. Yeah. Another portending doom it, movie. It is, but, but for me, it's a relatable movie. And much like Garden State was for me, I watched that movie and I'm like, holy shit, that's what I do. I need to not do this. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely... I'm not saying these aren't good reflections of real life. No, it's just—it's not your yeah. experience, though. You—you—you you, you are not me. You... <laughs> uh, no, but like I've definitely seen myself in many characters. Sure, where it's like a little painful. No, where you're of, like, mm, I do do that. Of course, but not the hopeless romantics and the, you know. That's we're we're a, we're a different breed in that regard, Malavika. I'm definitely romantic, but yeah, maybe I'm a different type of romantic you, than yes. you for sure. You're a functional romantic. <laughs> I don't know what that means. You like relationships that actually work. (laughs) I don't know. You make it sound like I don't put any effort into my relationships. No, I'm saying saying in fiction. Listen, I'm not talking about your actual relationships. Okay, I was like, I feel attacked. Jesus Christ, no, (laughs) no, I'm, I'm, I, I mean, I am a hopeless romantic in my relationships as well. But I mean, when I like when I see myself on the movie screen it's a hopeless romantic or it's you know something like that where i i know you're not like the dreamer sort no it doesn't mean i don't enjoy a a story like that but yeah i think for me like what i was talking about in the idea of you where it there's a lot of like feelings of doom in the book itself Mm -hmm. um I think that was like a very new genre for me. And now I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I want to read more like this. But I was like, like when you search, I'd be like doomed love stories. And it's like Romeo and Juliet. I was like, Oh, I mean, like... there was, there was plenty of, of uh, signs of doom in, in the relationship I had itself that I yeah. took as a challenge. So, uh, the doom I get. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is a challenge. That's what's hard to read. Like in the moment, you here's, you don't know. Here's and the you thing, have, like, though. Hormones I, in your brain. I can't. Like, I can't do the challenges anymore, though. I I yeah. have become uh, what Elio's father talks about at, at the end of Call Me by Your Name. Of you know, each time it takes so much more out of you that it's it's harder to try again with someone new. It's harder to you know put yourself back out there with and and be the same fullness of being that you were before and uh, i agree yeah for some people they can love and and not lose and for some people you you'll lose a little bit of yourself every time you love and that's life that's real yeah. life that is real life <laughs> all right the, well, what, do thought, what do you think what do you think of that as a casual outro Ooh, that's great Thanks. You nailed it. Oh, it's just perfect. I'm leaving all this in as well so that they can hear us congratulating each other on it. Yeah. Let me pat myself on the back. Let me pat myself on both shoulders. Just get real close to the mic for you. Yeah. But anyways, thank you for those of you that do listen to this. Um, We're getting there now. We are. 
And as always, please send us your questions, your comments, your concerns, your topics, your well wishes, your signs of doom, whatever you might have. Send them to rlathepodcast at gmail.com. Be on the lookout in the next couple weeks, as I've said in every episode for our website, rlathepodcast.com. I am going to actually go on there and just force it to be an active website because I I figured a couple of things out with it last week. Uh, oh, nice. Enough that I'll be able to just force my way into into doing it. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, thank you. For, thank you all for listening. And Malavika, thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Tyler. I'll chat with you soon. Bye-bye.